0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Sad Moms Club. Today, it is just gonna be me talking to you about a topic that gets brought up all the time in sessions and that is loneliness. So first, I'm just gonna talk a little bit about a common TED talk that you may have listened to and I'll link it in the show notes, talking about like why loneliness matters so much and how it impacts us. And then I'm gonna give you some tips on how to make friends. I have so many people who come into sessions who say, I'm lonely, no one likes me, or I haven't made any friends here. And I always want to be like, I'll be your friend, but I can't literally be every single person's friend that comes through the door. And also, it's a skill and it takes time to create real relationships. I was pretty bad at it. Uh, for a long time. When I first moved to Utah, I was 18 years old. I went to BYU and I made one really good friend and her boyfriend for the first year. I didn't feel like I made friends at all after that. Uh, She was my roommate. She's great. Still one of my best friends, but one person can't be everything for me. And I think that's typically true for everyone. We need multiple people in our lives to thrive. It wasn't for another like basically a year after I became friends with her that I started making other friends. So I just realized that I was kind of bad at it and it really changed for me a few years later, which I'll get into. So yeah, this is just the episode all about how to make friends. And if you have any other suggestions, I'd love to hear them because it is... Just one of the hardest things making friends as an adult. Okay, let's get started with this study. The TED talk is called What Makes a Good Life Lessons from the Longest Study on Happiness. And this is by Robert Waldinger. Uh, Like I said, I'll link this in the show notes because it's really worth the listen. And I'm going to cover a lot of what they say in there, but not all of it. So basically, he talks about this Harvard study of adult development that tracked 724 men for 75 years. And they talked to them yearly about work, home, health, and just got to know what was going on in their lives. It started in 1938. There was two groups of people. The first group started in the study when they were sophomores at Harvard College. They all finished college during World War II. And then they went to serve in the war. And then the second group they followed was a group of boys from Boston's poorest neighborhoods. They were chosen for the study specifically because they were from some of the most troubled and disadvantaged families in the Boston area during the 1930s. They lived in like tenements, many without hot and cold running water. They're looking at people from pretty different backgrounds Harvard and tenement life. And then this is what Robert Waldinger, I'm probably saying his name wrong, says. The clearest message that we get from this 75-year study is this. Good relationships keep us happier and healthier. Which, the first time I listened to this, I was pretty stunned by it. I did not think that's where it was going. Turns out people who are more socially connected to family, to friends, to community are happier, they're physically healthier, and they live longer than people who are less well-connected. People who are more isolated than they want to be from others find that they are less happy. Their health declines earlier in midlife. Their brain functioning declines sooner and they live shorter lives than people who are not lonely. The sad fact is that at any given time, more than one in five Americans will report they're lonely. And I know I have a different sample. I'm seeing people who are coming in for psychiatric help, but it's like every single person who comes in feels lonely. So it's it's a real problem. And part of it is society's kind of built now that you can go your whole day without seeing anybody in real life. You can work remotely. You can have your food door dashed or have your groceries delivered. You can watch TV or play video games. You can do so many things that make it so you never see a human being. And we're social beings. We need to feel connected. We need to feel like we belong. They talk about too in this TED Talk, the second big lesson they learned was it's not just the number of friends you have, and it's not like whether or not you're in a committed relationship, but it's the quality of your close relationships. Conflict is very unhealthy for you, and good, warm relationships are protective. I thought this statement was really interesting. Once we had followed our men all the way into their 80s, we wanted to look back at them at midlife to see if we could predict who was going to grow into happy, healthy octogenes generians and who wasn't I don't know if I said that word right and when we gathered together everything we knew about them at age 50 it wasn't their middle age cholesterol levels that predicted how they were going to grow old it was how satisfied they were in their relationships the people who were the most satisfied in their relationships at 50 were the healthiest at age 80 and then they go on to talk about how it doesn't just protect um, having good relationships doesn't just protect our physical body but it also protects our brains I think the hard thing with this topic is that it's not a quick fix. It's not something you can implement today. You can't just go out and say, I'm going to make a friend today because you don't know and it takes time and it's not easy. It's awkward. So I wanted to give you a few ideas of how to make friends. There's been some periods in my life. I mean, I talked about when I first went to college, I felt so lonely and I felt like I saw so many people. Back then it was Facebook. I'd see people from high school who were having just like the time of their lives. And I thought that's what college was. And it just was not that for me. And a lot of it was because I didn't know how to make friends. My good friends growing up were people that I was forced to be around for seven hours a day, and eventually I wore them down. (laughs) At least that's how I felt. I've had these other periods of loneliness when like, I finished up my bachelor's, I realized how much school was supporting my social needs. I had to start implementing these things, and I feel like I learned how to make friends as an adult. So I do think this is something you can learn. It is not comfortable, but it is achievable. Here are some of the ideas that I have. Number one, you have to be vulnerable. You have to open up and be authentic with people, which I'm sorry is kind of maybe bad news, but (laughs) it's true. I'll say that learning to be vulnerable has been one of the most rewarding lessons of my life. And I've learned as I open up, others open up, and we can connect on a much deeper level. I'm going to quote Brene Brown because she's the queen of vulnerability. Owning our story can be hard, but not nearly as difficult as spending our lives running from it. Embracing our vulnerabilities is risky, but not nearly as dangerous as giving up on love and belonging and joy, the experiences that make us the most vulnerable. Only when we are brave enough to explore the darkness will we discover the infinite power of our light. Quick story. So I went on an LDS mission when I was 21 years old, and I met two people around the same time. One was another missionary. Her name's Sarah Jane. And um, another was just a member that we were visiting with often, And they both talked about vulnerability. Sarah Jane opened up to me about some of her life and I opened up to her about mine. Up until that point in my life, telling someone something about me was seen as painful and scary and only when I know someone really well. Sarah Jane and I had only spent about 24 hours together and she started sharing things with me that I wouldn't have told someone in years And I realized how much more connected I could be with people if I was a little bit more open. I was so stunned by her vulnerability. And like she didn't cry when she was saying it It wasn't painful. It was just part of building a relationship for her. She was just the first person to show me that these things we talk about that we might be embarrassed about are actually the most connecting things about us. I felt so loved during our short time we spent together and I don't know. She just like genuinely changed my life because I saw a model for someone who was really open and that it wasn't scary for her. It was necessary. And I learned that her vulnerability could build a relationship And then the other person was this member that we were talking to often and he just brought up Brene Brown and I hadn't heard of her. He said, I've been listening to Brene Brown's TED Talk and I've been reading her book and it talks about vulnerability and I've learned so much. So based on those two experiences, I became really interested in Brene Brown and vulnerability and kind of changed my whole life course into getting involved in psych. That's like the number one thing is you can't go into new relationships bulletproof or pretending like you're bulletproof. You have to go in being willing to offer something. That doesn't mean you have to tell every single person every hard thing you're going through because that can be really overwhelming too. But just like offer saying, motherhood's been really lonely for me. How is it for you? And maybe they're not lonely, but they've probably felt loneliness before and they can connect with you on that. Um, Maybe you say, motherhood isn't really what I thought it was. Like I really love my kid, but I... I'm struggling. Maybe it's something way more benign, like you're just making fun of yourself for something dumb you said and just tell a funny story about yourself. That's being vulnerable too. It's just being honest and open and authentic with people. That's my first thing. Everything else builds on that because if you're not willing to be vulnerable, you're probably not going to make a lot of friends because no one wants to be friends with the perfect person. (laughs) No one is the perfect person. (laughs) It's so funny how people present, they put their best foot forward, which is like fine, but you also have to be a little bit real for people to want to have a real relationship with you. Okay. Next piece of advice, invite on the spot. So this is something that I started doing and it takes people off guard a lot, but it's how I actually spend time with people a lot. I'll use the example of one of my good friends, Amy Brown and I sat next to each other at a church meeting five years ago almost. And we just started talking. She looked around my age. We started chit-chatting. It wasn't that we hit it off so well, I just thought she seemed cool. I'd love to talk to her longer than five minutes. I think she may have said, we should get together sometime. And I said, oh, okay, when? And she says now, as my one of my best friends, that just really took me off guard because most people just say like, oh yeah, let's do it sometime. But by saying when, you actually make a plan. We planned a girl's night. She said, yeah, like next week on Wednesday works for me. Let's get together then. And we did. And we weren't best friends right away. We spent a lot of time together before we really hit it off. If you're talking to someone and they say, let's get together sometime, say, oh, great. When are you free? And actually set a date. Unless it's someone you don't really want to see, then you don't have to do that. Okay, next piece of advice is to plan small things. It doesn't always have to be like a big production. It can be just like, let's go on a 45-minute walk with our kids. You don't have to make dinner. You don't have to make snacks. You can pick something up at Trader Joe's. You can make it really, really chill. Walk is like my go-to or a hike, but I'm sure that there's other short ones. Things that take no planning are perfect to start spending time with more people. Next piece of advice, say yes. Say yes when someone invites you to something. Sometimes you only get one invite. I think about this a lot. I was roommates with these girls. I was like 19 or 20. And they invited me to go to this movie one time and I said no. And then I never got invited again. (laughs) And like they were really cool girls. I would have loved to be friends with them. I was only roommates with them for like maybe a month. It was like this weird transition time. And it would have been great to be friends with them, but I never gave it a chance because I didn't say yes. Will it be awkward? Probably. Will you be best friends afterwards? Probably not. But if you can make it work, say yes because it could be the beginning of a great friendship. You just don't know. In the study beforehand, they talk about how quality is what's important, quality relationships. But I think when you're trying to make friendships, sometimes quantity is more important than quality, because you have to just get to know a lot of people to find someone you hit it off with. Okay, next, call your old friends. They can be far away. They don't have to be in the same area, or they can be close by. Some of my dearest friends live in different states, like where I grew up, or they've just moved away over the years. We've been friends for years, and it's because we make an effort to keep in contact with one another. We've planned trips together. Even though I'm not seeing them in person, I feel less alone when I talk to them on the phone. Reach out to your old friends. If they really are your friend, they're going to want to spend time with you in whatever way that they can. Uh, Look at family, like maybe you're in-laws, like a sister-in-law or a mother-in-law or an aunt or a sibling. When I was really lonely during one period in my life, I definitely started leaning on my family way more than I had before, and they were a huge support to me. This is probably the most awkward one, but I always suggest it to people. And it's to get on an app to make friends. And I literally did this. So I am saying this from a perspective of it worked for me. So there's two apps that I'm aware of. There may be way more. But Bumble, BFF. So Bumble's like the dating app. And so it's going to look like when you sign up that you're signing up to date someone. But there's a function you can choose like for friends. When I moved to Boise with Trevor in 2021, I lived there for a year, had zero friends. And the first week I was there, I got a mumble BFF and I started going on dates. At least that's what we called them. And I made some wonderful friends, people that I plan to talk to and have in my life long term. And there's just no way I would have met them because everyone I'm thinking of works from home. So it's like I wouldn't have met them at work. I I wouldn't have met them at like a restaurant because that's weird. And for me, I don't talk to strangers. So there's just no way I would have met them. And they've just been such good supports in my life and wonderful people. That's one app. The other one that I suggest to people is Peanut because it's like that, but for moms specifically. And my understanding of it, I've never been on it, but my understanding is that you can put the ages of your children so you can kind of match up with other moms with similar age children. I know it sounds really uncomfortable. No one wants to be on there. It's like you don't want to be on there because you'd love to have friends, but you don't have friends. So it's one way to meet people. I'll say that every single time I went, I almost canceled beforehand. I did not want to go. But every single time I went, I met a nice person. We usually talked for an hour. And I felt more connected to someone than I had before. I wasn't best friends with every single person I talked to. Only three people from that app stuck. Everyone else was like a nice one or two times that we met and then that was it. And it was still wonderful. It was the best thing I ever did in Boise. I was so, so, so glad I did it. Last couple things. One is you have to breathe through the discomfort of it. It is not comfortable to make friends, but the alternative is to feel lonely forever. <laughs> so, <laughs> maybe not forever. There's one kind of therapy called exposure and response prevention therapy, and it's good for like OCD, but also for anxiety. And basically, the idea is that you have to expose yourself to the thing that makes you anxious or it's not gonna get better. And so if it makes you nervous to be in these social situations, if it makes you anxious to make new friends, the best way to get through it is to do it, which sucks and it's so hard, but it's so worth it. I think this is a particularly hard skill because we don't have to learn it for so long. We are given friends through school. And then as we grow into adulthood, there are less and less opportunities To make friends. And so we then have to become active friendship seekers. (laughs) And then motherhood can add a whole nother layer to that. It's just going to be uncomfortable, really. Like most of the time, you have to go to something that's going to make you a little bit nervous. I didn't add it on my list, but if you have a hobby or an activity you like to do, looking at meetups and Facebook groups to find people who are like minded and also enjoy that activity. I have never found a friend that way, so that's why I didn't think of it, but I know people who have. Putting yourself out there and going to a group activity, even though you don't know anybody, might be another great way to do it. The next idea came from someone on Instagram, Melissa. She was saying how helpful support groups were for her, and I'm a little embarrassed. I didn't think about adding that into the list. A support group would be a great way to start making friends or maybe just fill your social cup. She wrote... I just know from my personal experience with postpartum OCD, it was so hard to connect with other moms unless they had shared lived experience. PSI's postpartum OCD support group was great for me to not feel lonely. Maybe also finding in-person postpartum support groups can help moms too. I thought that was just a fantastic idea. So I want to talk about support groups real quick. I learned this when I was an intern at Serenity Recovery and Wellness, and they have an intensive outpatient program, IOP. And every time there was a new person that came to the group, everyone got to give them advice. And one piece of advice that was given over and over again is that it's okay to just be a person in a chair for a while. You can go to support group and you don't have to participate. You don't have to share. You can say pass. But just by being there and knowing that other people are experiencing what you're experiencing can be extraordinarily validating and Eventually, you can start speaking up when you're ready. I thought that was such a good piece of advice because it's scary to start going, but you can just be a person in a chair for a while or a person on the screen for a while. Now, to find a support group, I would first start with PSI. Just search PSI support group on Google, and I will also link it, obviously. But they have one for everyone. So they have one for birth moms, for black moms, for birth trauma, for dad support, They have one for military moms, for NICU parents, for postpartum psychosis, postpartum OCD, perinatal support for Latinx moms and birthing people, perinatal mood support. That would be depression and anxiety. And then there's fertility challenges, parenting after loss, pregnancy and infant loss support for moms, pregnancy and infant loss support for parents, stillbirth and infant loss support for parents, termination for medical reasons. There's almost a group for anyone really recommend that resource. You can access it anywhere. The other one is you could call the PSI number or text if that's more your thing, which it is mine. You can text them and say, hey, I'm looking for a support group in the area. And you're connected with like an actual human being who lives in your area who can help you connect to those resources. If you are in Utah, .utah maternalmentalhealth.utah.gov. I just posted about the other day. You can filter by support groups. And there's so many support groups. Some are free, some are not. That would be another awesome way to start connecting with other people. And then the last piece of advice is give it time. You're not going to be best friends right away. Most of my friends in my life, we did not hit it off right away. It took time even though you don't want to feel lonely today, it's not going to go away. So just maybe give yourself some grace and some compassion. You're not a loser. That's what I always feel like when I don't spend time with people. That's why I go out all the time with friends, because if I do not spend time with people, I start feeling like a loser, which is probably something I should unpack. So you're not a loser. I promise you're very cool. And there are people that want to spend time with you, but you have to search for them. They're not just going to appear. A few resources I wanted to offer an episode by Thoughts on Thoughts called Making Friends as an Adult. I haven't listened to it for a while, so it might go over a lot of what we talked about today, but it's someone else's experience who's been in this position more recently. My friend Jessica talks about creating friendships in her adult life, and I'm part of it, which made me feel really, really good. And she said afterwards, like, mm, we probably talked to you up too much. <laughs> but I loved it. So that's one. Another is a TED Talk by the journalist. His name's Johan Hari. I will link it. It's all about lost connections and how we have less connections in our lives than we used to and how that potentially is bringing on a lot more depression and anxiety in our life. I will link the two TED Talks, Jessica's episode, and then I just want to say thank you for leaving a review last week for my birthday. And if you didn't, you still can. It'd be still super nice. It's still birthday month. And then also if you just like this, please send it to a friend because that's the goal is to just help moms feel less lonely, feel more like themselves again, and feel a little bit better. I'll see you next week.